From Northport, Michigan, this is Talking Tax. I'm Adam Allington. The U.S. Senate passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill on Tuesday. The bill now heads to the House for additional debate. Tucked inside the $550 billion infrastructure plan is language that seeks to strengthen tax reporting requirements for cryptocurrency transactions to the IRS. Congress's official tax scorekeeper estimates that the new reporting requirements could raise an additional $28 billion in revenue for the government over a decade. Allison Versbrill is a reporter for Bloomberg Tax who's been tracking the back and forth between legislators and industry lobbyists. She sat down with Denise Hinsky, a leader in Deloitte's global information reporting practice, to talk about what the proposed changes would mean for the industry. The Senate just passed an infrastructure bill that would require cryptocurrency brokers, um, you know, so we're thinking U.S. exchanges like Coinbase, to report transaction data to the IRS. Uh, The industry was pushing for some amendments to that bill because they say the current language is too broad and would require entities like miners and software developers to report information they don't have access to. Uh, They weren't successful despite having some pretty key senators on their side. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you, in this current form, you know, how would the bill, if enacted, affect the cryptocurrency industry? So we have been spending a lot of time debating the impact of current information reporting rules on the industry. So I think, you know, my, my first reaction here is that it's good to get a bit of clarity around what the requirements are. Um, But this has been a crazy few weeks, and for me, it's been a bit reminiscent of the early FACA days because those provisions actually appeared as paper legislation in a much bigger bill, if if you recall that. Um, So going specifically to your question, right, the proposed amendments really do, I think, two things, or they clarify two things. First of all, the definition of who is a broker that's going to be required to do Form 1099 reporting in the context of, of crypto. And then the second um, is that they clarify that digital assets are actually going to be subject to cost basis reporting, just like your securities that you have with any other, um, you know, broker out there. So regular financial assets. In the present iteration, the infrastructure bill modifies the definition of broker under Section 6045, which is the cost basis rules that generally to generally include any person Um, providing services that effectuate the transfer of digital assets for consideration. So that's a pretty broad definition. And in simple terms, you know, that means that Treasury is going to have the ability through regulations and interpretation to require Form 1099 reporting and cost basis um, reporting to this very wide variety of cryptocurrency industry participants. So, you know, not only including exchange operators and custodians, but potentially wallet providers or NFT marketplace operators. Um, You know, in many cases, service providers that you may not think of necessarily as a broker. You know, and and so these entities in in this industry, like other brokers, are going to now be required to collect tax information from customers and report transactional data relating to the trades directly to the IRS. Um, Generally, this is going to be triggered when a customer sells their crypto, but there's also going to be new reporting required upon the transfer of assets from a broker to another broker or even to non-brokers. 
And then besides these two primary changes, there was also a catch-all provision in the bill that's gonna require any person receiving more than $10,000 in digital assets in the course of their trade or business to file a form 8300. And um, that form is better known as the suspicious activity reporting that banks currently do today. Um, and it is also drafted very, very broadly. So it's not gonna be limited in this case to brokers. Um, it appears to apply to anybody that in you know the uh, conduct of their business would accept cryptocurrency. So for example, selling cars, right? If somebody accepts cryptocurrency for the sale of a car or you know providing some other non-broker type service. Um, so although we've got to be very careful here, these provisions have just been have just passed the Senate and they need to make their way through the House. It does, um, you know, it does appear right now that this could be fairly broad and that there are many different industry players that are going to get caught by this. And, you know, the industry right now will say, because it's so broad right now, because it could potentially apply to minors, software developers, that you're asking people who don't actually have access to the information the IRS is asking for to do this reporting and you know, their big argument is that this could reduce innovation, push people offshore. Is that something that Deloitte sees happening with this? Or is that something that you're you're monitoring with these provisions? We clearly are monitoring it because I think that is some, some risk. You're right. You know, the industry's main concern has been that the bill's text is very, very broad in terms of this definition of broker. Um, and the legislation has been interpreted by some as having this potential to characterize, you know, people that are doing miners, uh, that are doing mining um, at home or, you know, the software uh, developer that is coming up with, um, uh, you know, sub subdue product as falling into this and, and requiring them to do some type of reporting and of course it's almost impossible as you said for them to identify who these customers are on the other side and, and actually it's it's contrary to the whole concept of um you know the the crypto industry is being distributed and anonymous right as to who's on on the other side of transactions but although there's a lot of arguments that you know, this is this has been very drafted very broadly. I think there are also arguments that the bill really doesn't contemplate those folks. Um, you know, the senators who introduced the provision stated in session that the um, law wasn't intended to include persons that were just engaged in mining activities or developing software or hardware. Uh, it, it is likely going to be left up to treasury at the end of the day through regulations to specifically identify who gets caught. Um, I think one of the things that's a struggle here, though, is, you know, this the cryptocurrency industry has not only grown rapidly, but it's still in its early stages. It's very innovative. It, you know, is constantly um, changing and they're coming out with new products. And so I think it's going to be a uh, challenge, you know, no matter how these regulations are, are ultimately drafted to kind of stay on top of who's being pulled in and, and who's not. Well, and so, you know, obviously, from the IRS perspective, too, the main point of 
this new provision would be to give the IRS data so that it could, you know, better enforce the tax laws around cryptocurrency. Also, you know, when you start telling, you know, giving people uh, a form that says this is how much you owe, that increases voluntary compliance. I mean, how effective, I guess, do you think this crypto reporting requirement will be in terms of improving tax compliance in this industry? So I'm sure as you've seen, the bill drafters expect to see about $28 billion in additional tax revenue uh, as a result of, of the provisions. Um, and this is, of course, because they anticipate an uptick in, in compliance. There have been numerous studies you know, done by the Treasury Inspector General that has actually shown an increase in compliance when there are information reporting rules put in place, especially in situations where, um, you know, there were not rules in, in the past. So I think it is fair to expect that there will be a um, increase in, in tax compliance. Whether or not $28 billion is is the right number is probably anybody's guess. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we as advisors have been vigorously debating even whether some of these broker transactions could have already been, um, or some of these crypto transactions could have already been pulled into um, current broker reporting obligations. So, you know, from my standpoint, it, it's good that they're clarifying it. I think it's also good from the standpoint of investors as well because you know it will make at the end of the day their tax compliance a little bit easier as well. We may still see some changes made to the crypto reporting provisions in the house so we're waiting to see those. Um, but how are your clients currently, you know, preparing for the new reporting requirements or you know what are you advising them to do at this moment? Yeah, so it's early days, right? And we've all along have seen a variety of postures across the industry. I mean, there are some um, institutions out there that already saw themselves more aligned with traditional financial services models, and they were doing um, cost basis and 1099 type reporting. Um, some of them were just providing it to their clients. Some of them were actually providing information um, to the Internal Revenue Service. There were, you know, I think others in industry that have been doing limited or, or no reporting, but I believe that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has been anticipating these changes, and so it, this really isn't coming as, as a surprise, um, first of all. We have been having active conversations with many of our clients, um, right now helping them keep abreast of the latest proposed amendments and the status of the law. Um, but given the way that this industry evolves so quickly, I think that it's going to be important to really dig in once the bill is, is finalized and these regulations evolve so that we can really determine what is the impact on, on the different uh, industry players here. In terms of what we have been advising our clients, you know, I think a good first step in, is for any industry participant to conduct an assessment of their products and their services to really determine what those potential impacts could be the way that things are drafted currently, right? Um, do they see themselves as effectuating transfers of digital assets in exchange for a fee? Could somebody else look at their business and characterize it as such? Do they regularly receive transfers of digital assets over the 10,000? You know, are they 
a uh, NFT marketplace, I guess, are they doing payment processing company that accepts digital assets? You know, could they potentially be a broker under these these new rules? So I, I you know, I think that's the first step and, and what we're helping our clients um, think through in, in terms of what they need need to do here. So outside of the definition of a broker, that's obviously, you know, the big issue that crypto advocates are are sort of, you know, trying to get changed right now. Are there any other areas that need to be clarified, in your opinion, either through legislation or regulation? So, I mean, I think that we can expect that there is going to be a, a lot um you know, still to come on this. So, you know, the legislation process is actually just the start. Um, a regulation package will be needed in order to implement these rules and to provide detail about um, how the reporting is actually going to take place, who's got to do it, what to do in the case that there's duplicative reporting, etc. Um, you know, the regulations under Section 6045 relating to crypto have actually been anticipated for some time. And, and so I think it's possible we're going to see these released quite soon. Um, I also think there are still a lot of questions that industry has has to face here, you know, some of, of which could be um, addressed during uh, with respect to additional uh, legislation, some of which may be in the regulations, but I think it's open open questions. And some of those are, you know, um, what is the character and how do you source income from staking? Um, are they going to need to issue 1099s for airdrops or, or uh, forks? Um, what about crypto lending, you know, transactions? Is that going to trigger reporting? And, and finally, what about FATCA? Right. That's uh, those rules are sitting out there, too. And, and right now, crypto is not a financial asset um, under the FACA rules. And, and so that also will need to be clarified. And so what do you think is next for this industry in terms of tax enforcement? We have these proposals in the infrastructure bill, but there were some additional proposal proposals in Treasury's Green Book that you know weren't included in this bill, but could get tacked onto this massive tax and spending bill that were you know, expecting to come up uh, soon. Can you talk about those proposals and and maybe the impact that they would have? Yeah, so <laughs> you're right, that is probably not the last time the industry is going to hear from Congress um, on, on a number of things. I did see reputable reporting on Tuesday indicating that there are several senior Democrats that plan to use that reconciliation bill to pass some information reporting proposals that were in the Green Book. In particular, the one that's requiring banks to file information returns on customer account transactions. Um, such a mandate would at least be consistent with the transactional reporting that they're imposing on cryptocurrency reporters under this bipartisan infrastructure bill. You could argue, for example, that it would be really odd to require um, reporting on crypto and then you know, not on fiat or, or traditional assets in, in a similar way. So I think very possible we're going to see that in, in the uh, reconciliation bill. Additionally, that, you know, I understand that the Democrats are also going to use the reconciliation bill to provide the Internal Revenue Service with some additional funding. And I think the uh, talk has been about a, um, on average, an additional $4 billion annually 
that would be mandatory funding to finance enforcement and activity other activities in the information reporting space so not only on crypto although i i think a big piece of it is crypto but also you know information reporting in general and then beyond that i know that the application of wash sales to cryptocurrency is high on um the list um the anticipation is that you know these rules or those wash sale rules would be changed to also encompass crypto transactions in order to prevent investors from manufacturing losses to cut their tax bills you know there are actually some uh, providers out there today that will help uh in the crypto space you know will help people determine what are the appropriate lots to to uh sell so that they can offset the the gains that they have in in this space so i think that's high in the list also we could see something there well it seems like there's a lot to look forward to uh in the crypto space and congress isn't done quite yet uh well thank you denise for providing your insights and for chatting with me today And again, Allison, thank you very much for inviting me. I I enjoyed our discussion. That was Denise Hinsky, a leader in Deloitte's global information reporting practice. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you've just heard or really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, Adam Allington, and David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Northport, Michigan, I'm Adam Allington. Thanks for listening. My name is David Schultz, and I'm here to announce On the Merits, a new podcast from Bloomberg Law that brings you Everything you need to know about the biggest legal stories of the week, coupled with smart interviews and analysis on a variety of topics, such as the incoming Biden administration's judicial priorities. So I think diversity is is kind of the watchword here. We'll also keep our eyes on the Supreme Court. Now everyone is on Breyer watch. We're all watching to see when or if Justice Breyer is going to step down. You'll hear voices and perspectives from across the legal industry, including reporters and editors, attorneys, legal scholars, general counsel. But lest you think this podcast is all just news you can use, from time to time we stumble on a court docket or legal opinion that, for whatever reason, just piques our interest. And he started this opinion, 224th of it, Citing the Passchendaele battle is one of the largest battles of World War One. Um, that seems like a strange way to start off an opinion on corporate law. You can download On the Merits wherever you get your podcasts.